0: This is Speaking of Writers, and I'm Steve Richards. Journalist Jess McHugh explores the true history of 13 of America's most popular books chronologically, tracing their origins and influence as no one has before. Her engrossing debut book is Americanon, an unexpected U.S. history in 13 best-selling books. Jess McHugh is a writer and researcher whose work has appeared across a variety of national and international publications, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, The Nation, and Times. She's reported stories from four continents on a range of cultural and historical topics from present-day Liverpool punks to the history of 1960s activists in Greenwich Village. Happy to have Jess McHugh join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Jess, welcome to this program.
1: Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So, what
0: inspired you to write Americanon?
1: Sure. Well, it really started with a fascination with Noah Webster and the dictionary. Like I think many Americas, I had grown up with Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, and I was so surprised to learn, kind of by way of an offhand comment in an undergraduate lecture that then percolated for many years, that he had been uh, a kind of a, a self-avowed born-again Christian and a nationalist, and that his project for the dictionary was really about making a national language, and more than just a national language, and national identity. And so because I had taken the dictionary to be such an innocuous book, I, I became curious about other books like that that we might take for granted, but really have this kind of ideological thrust behind them.
0: Jess McHugh is my guest here on Speaking of Writers for Book as Americana, and an unexpected U.S. history in 13 best-selling books. Now, the 13 books, I'm going to go through them here. The Old Farmer's Almanac, you do it chronologically, as I mentioned in the introduction, mm-hmm. Webster's Speller and Webster's English Dictionary, Benjamin Franklin's Autobiography, The McGuffey Readers, uh, Treaties on Domestic Economy, Etiquette in Society and Business and Politics and at Home by Emily Post, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, Betty Crocker's Picture Cookbook from 1950, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the other one, by the way, The American Woman's Home, uh, two by Catherine Beecher, but Catherine Beecher and Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote that one. So the question you're probably getting asked a lot is, how did you select these 13 books and narrow it down?
1: Yes, it's a good question, and it was not an easy process. Uh, I, I because I wanted to kind of avoid as much as I could any sort of regional or subjective bias, so I, I tried to focus pretty heavily on the data, which is to say, looking at those books that. Consistently sold the most copies and influenced the most people, so to speak, over history. So we're often talking about books in the tens of millions of range, barring a few exceptions. But I also, you know, interviewed upwards of a hundred academics to talk about which books kind of reflected some broader uh, cultural mindset, which ones maybe spurred new modes of thinking. And so it took it took a long time, though. It took about a year of taking things on and off the list to to get it down to thirteen. And I was aiming for ten, so. <laughs>
0: Do you have a favorite or two?
1: That's a good question. It's it's hard to pick. I am a huge fan of the old Farmer's Almanac. I just I love it dearly. I grew up, you know, with it. I'm from New England originally and it's it's one of those books that just kind of has a fond place in my heart and the more that I've lived in cities, I've I lived in New York for a long time and now I'm in Paris, that the more I kind of miss the just the being able to go out and walk in the woods and look at bugs and frogs and salamanders and bake bread and, you know, plant seeds. And uh, the almanac kind of reminds me of, of all of the, the, the beauty of, of of the natural world.
0: You mentioned you're in Paris. So what was it like writing a book about America while living abroad in France?
1: It was interesting. I think just as this book, uh, I try to give some kind of historical perspective on the way we understand ourselves as Americans. Living in France kind of gave me a sort of geographical perspective, so to speak. It threw into relief a lot of the differences. I would say, you know, the French are are hardworking people, but they also have a strong what they call a leisure ethic, (laughs) which is not something that I have (laughs) very, (laughs) very strongly. Um, But yeah, it was it was interesting. I think, for instance. Their notion of, uh, I had a friend say that vacation is an inalienable right, and it, it just it made me think about the ways in which we talk about work, our emphasis on self-made men and meritocracy, and even just the way we talk about work and money in, the, in America is so different from the way they do or do not in France.
0: Jess, what was your research and writing process for this book like, and what are some of the most memorable moments from that process?
1: Sure. So i I love research. I think, like many writers, I get stuck in the research and reporting phase, and somebody has to force me to start writing. Uh, I, I really loved researching this book. It started with a lot of. I was living in New York at the time. A lot of trips to the public library, and then I ended up going on this this big kind of nine city road trip to go to some of these more far flung archives because a lot of them are are just privately held. You know, Betty Crocker is uh, part of General Mills, so I went to Minneapolis, where they have a very thorough uh, archive with their own librarian. I went to Dublin, New Hampshire to visit the Old Farmer's Almanac, and that's always the best part to me, is being able to be up close to the material and being able to interview the people who have some kind of personal connection to it.
0: Chatting with Jess McHugh here on Speaking of Writers, her book is American, an unexpected U.S. history in 13 best-selling books. You delve into the personalities, quirks, biases of the authors of these texts. Which facts or anecdotes about them surprised you or stick with you the most?
1: So many. I mean, the research of this was just one surprise after another. I think one of the ones that kind of surprised and delighted me the most was the kind of the origin story of Emily Post. I had this very, I think like many, this sort of white-gloved opinion of her and I kind of imagined her as dodgy and, and what have you. But it turns out that her writing career started because of scandal. Her husband was embroiled in this, you know, extramarital affair with a showgirl that turned into him being extorted by a tabloid and then turned into this highly public legal fight. And she divorces him and finds that he's lost much of their money in some, some bad business deals. And so she starts writing to support herself, but she ends up writing etiquette, I think, as as kind of a way to to correct the errors, so to speak, of of those around her, and she devotes a a good deal of it to romantic etiquette.
0: You spend a significant portion of the book, Jess, exploring the origins and rise of the self-help industry. What are your personal views on the self-help industry, and did your research alter your perspective on it?
1: Yes, I think it, it evolved quite significantly because I think you know when I first started researching this book, I, I had sort of a neg some some negative preconceptions about self help and, and thought of self help writers as sort of snake oil salesmen, and to a certain extent there is some of that. But I've I've come to feel much more open hearted about it, and as I note a little bit in the book, I I think often of my maternal grandfather who was a, a great reader of, of self-help and self-improvement books and kind of read the Bible and the big book and Dale Carnegie, and in much the same way, which to say he was, he was looking to kind of his own spiritual renewal, his own path toward becoming a better person, and I think that that's sort of the best of what self-help can offer. Its, it's pitfalls are quite well known, but I think, I think there's something to be said for its grace as well.
0: And this was your first book, right? It is Indeed. And what was that process like? And what did it feel like when you finished this book?
1: Well, it was it was a difficult process. I mean, like many books, it took it took several years. And I've been a journalist for many years, but it's, writing a book is a, quite a different undertaking than even a, a long article. Uh, so you know, lots of lots of long nights, and and it was strange to to write it during the lockdowns in France because we really could not could not leave our homes for for many many months. Finishing it was was also strange. It also in in, in our kind of internet age, it, it always feels like kind of a non-event. You send an email off at a certain time, and <laughs> and then you go out and, and run around.
0: <laughs> what do you hope uh, that readers take away from American Jess?
1: A few things. I, I really i I hope that they kind of come away with with what I found in the research, which is a delight in in the mundane and kind of a new appreciation for some of the books that we don't consider as literature, but I think have so much, you know, wisdom and insight to offer us both into what it meant to be an American and maybe what it means to be one now. And as I mentioned in the introduction and in the epilogue, I hope it can also be kind of a small part of the ongoing reckoning about, you know, who is allowed to tell the American story and maybe about who should in, in the future.
0: What is next for you in your writing?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, next, I I would love to write another book at some point, but my next project I'm doing a feature story about uh, the preservation of wild mustangs uh, in the West, and it's kind of this uh, fascinating little project that I've had, I'm just interested in wild horses and they've become this kind of thorny conservation problem because they're overpopulated and they're a protected species and they also don't have a natural predator. So in a couple of weeks I'm going up to this farm uh, in upstate New York called EquiCenter where they have this fascinating program. They pair wild mustangs that have never been touched by humans and have uh, combat veterans train them who are struggling with PTSD and it kind of helps both the human and the horse struggling with these, these different issues.
0: Jess McHugh has been my guest. Amara Cannon is the book, An Unexpected U.S. History in 13 Best-Selling Books. Jess, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And this is Speaking of Writers.